Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, uh, this is pretty cool. Tonight at the Casbah, former wrestler uh, Jake the Snake will be performing. Personal stories from the ring and antidotes, all that sort of stuff. Jake the Snake Roberts, former WWE wrestler in the house. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it. Uh, You know, it's hilarious. Uh, Justin is also here from uh, promotion. When uh, he found out you were going to be here, and I said, well, feel free to set in. He he set in with us. He's like a little kid in a candy store, man. Uh, He's a stalker. (laughs) He's a stalker. He's a stalker. I've seen those eyes before. (laughs) (laughs) This must happen all the time. Yeah, it does, and I'm so grateful for it, though. Yeah. You know, used to, in the days when I was still doing the drinking and all that stuff, I hated it. Yeah. But I've learned to love it so much, man, because I, I realized that, you know, through my disease and everything, that uh, the fans cared more about me than I did. Wow. And uh, now that I've sobered up and cleaned up and everything and my life's in order, I am digging every minute of it, man, soaking it up and... Um, Keeping the good pieces. <laughs> so tell us uh, tonight, obviously, 8 o'clock uh, yeah. at the Casbah. What's this about? What are you doing? You what know, are you talking I, about? I don't do comedy, but this is some funny stuff. Yeah. Right? Well, it's some insane stuff. <laughs> some of the stuff I have to make sure the statute of limitations is up. <laughs> but uh, this is the stuff that happened behind the scenes in the locker room or sometimes in the ring. Yeah. Um, sometimes in a gentlemen's club maybe right uh, it happened everywhere right. airplanes the insanity that went on between the guys i mean you don't put 30 guys on the airplane and expect <laughs> Imagine what that's something like. not to happen <laughs> i'm surprised they let you all fly together well they shouldn't have, because there were people that would lose eyebrows uh, you know, mr fuji was real bad about zipping an eyebrow if he fell asleep or, or maybe you take one of your shoes into the bathroom and uh yeah, exactly. Put something in it and, <laughs> and put it back. And, of course, you get off the plane and you put your foot in your shoe and all of a sudden you've got a dirty foot. But these are some of the few things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, I had a snake with me for a lot of years. And We're that, getting questions. That was always fun. We're getting questions about the snake uh, oh calling into our Jake. And I'm sorry, you, you know, you're not upset that we call Jake the snake Jake the no, snake, no, do you? Because I thought, no, you know, all of a sudden it'll be. He can be the one that likes the snake because I'm the one that can't <laughs> stand the snake. So we're getting a, a one listener asked, what happened to the snake? What was it like bringing this thing along? It was a pain in the rear. You really? have no idea what it's like to have to carry a 100-pound snake around you wherever you go. I'm talking about it's in the hotel room. What do you do with it in the hotel room? Well, you put it in the bathroom. Yeah. And then, of course, back in those days, I was partaking in alcohol and other things and, uh, you know, getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning and stumbling into the bathroom and trying to use the bathroom <laughs> and uh, you're looking down at this snake that's peering at you and you just know he's fixing to bite you someplace you don't want to get bitten. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of fun, but there were some crazy things that happened. You know, it was part of the character. And here's one for all you fans out there. Did you know that I'm terrified of snakes? Yes, I am. I am. Well, how did the snake make it into the act? Alcohol, marijuana, <laughs> and a, a youthful mind at the time. I was listening to Monday Night Football one night, and they were talking about Kenny Stabler, yeah. the snake. Yeah. 
And I started smoking. And it was like, hey, man, it'd be so cool if I had, like, a snake, you know? I could, like, put it on people. Or I could throw it over the top of a bathroom stall and stuff. That'd be so much fun. And I didn't think that was ever going to happen. It was just me being silly. And then 20 years later, I'm sitting in Stanford, Connecticut, looking at Vince McMahon. And he gives me this idea. And I'm like, uh. Uh, you know, I mean, before I could say no, he threw the paper over to me that had some numbers written down, and uh, the most that I'd ever seen in one line, and uh, I had no problem handling that thing. You know? <laughs> not after that, not a problem. No, not after I've seen no zeros, bro. <laughs> Talk about the machine that's the WWE, oh Vince God. McMahon, all of that. How how difficult is that? Oh you know, God. it must be so competitive. So, is it backstabbing? Is it? Yeah, is it? there's a lot of that. Man. Yeah. And, uh, back in the day, there was a lot of it, and you know, I've never gotten into that. I've never gotten into the. Uh, you know, kissing rear ends. I should have. Yeah, I'd have made a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never could. It just that just wasn't me. My idea was, hey, let's all help each other yeah. and make it a better product, and we'll all make more money. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there are a lot of guys that uh, you know aren't as talented. Or there's a lot of guys that are unsure about themselves and what they can do out there, and there's a lot of idiots that are just haters. Yeah. And um, I've always tried to keep myself out of the drama end of it, but um, it gets to everybody, man. It really does, and it, it's a shame that it's like that. Wrestling is, is the worst because, I'll tell you, you know, it, it's, it's a horrible business because it has nothing to do with your talent. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's up to Vince McMahon or the powers to choose you. Yeah. You know, if they like you or like you personally, this, that, or the other, all of a sudden you're a star. Mm -hmm. But you could be the very best athlete. You could be, like, for example, Kurt Angle, Mm -hmm. an Olympian, all these things, and they wound up making him a a clown, you know, and just, you know, urinating on everything that he stood for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's nothing like... Being in that ring and having, I don't care if it's 100 people or 50,000 people, when you can stand in that ring and manipulate their emotions and play with them and drive them crazy or make them hate you, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world, man. It really, really is. How did you get to the show that you're now doing at the Casbah? How did you get (laughs) to that point where you decided, I'm going to take this on the road and share my story? Well... You know, I've always been one to enjoy sitting around with guys, and you know how it is, man. You're in a locker room or you're at home. It doesn't really matter, and you're sitting around shooting the BS and telling funny stories from the road, and the guys, you know, they were erupting with this stuff. And, you know, for me, it was real easy because I had 37 years to pick from. I was out there a long time. (laughs) So I had the stories, but I didn't really think I was going to do something like that. I just didn't ever hit me. And I went and seen Mick Foley. Now, Mick Foley does his show. His show's completely different than mine. Uh, my stuff's funny. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll just, yeah. You know, his, to me, isn't that funny because I've got a sick sense of humor. Mm-hmm. It's twisted. And Foley's is very PG, very Santa Claus, happy, yeah. happy, smile, smile. Mine's not. Mine's twisted rough, sexual, you know, 
I talk about this, that, and the other, and the other, and the other. You know, so um, it's how did, different. How did you get into wrestling? How did this all oh, start wow. for you? That's a bad one, man. Um, my father was a wrestler, uh, a lot bigger than me. He was seven foot and four hundred twenty-five pounds. But as far as a father, he was not. Um, I was never around him. He was always gone or on the road, and then of course they divorced, and this, that, and the other happened, and. Uh, I came out of high school, I had done very well in school, and I was the first child in my family to ever graduate from high school. I was very proud of the fact that I had straight A's. I was going to go to college and become an architect, but I wanted my father to tell me he was proud of me. Mm-hmm. I wanted that desperately, man, because I'd always wanted his attention, couldn't get it. He was always gone. For a long time, I blamed it on wrestling, that he had that job that kept yeah. him away from home. It, wrestling had nothing to do with it. He was just a jerk. You know, he was a very sick man, um, child molester, this, that, and the other. But I um, went down to see him and like, hey, you know, I know you didn't show up for graduation or a football game or a baseball game or anything else, but I wanted you to know that I graduated, man. And uh, I'm going to college. What do you think about that? And he just looked at me and said, well, I hope you don't want any money. I'm like, you know, you've given me nothing my whole life. Mm And I was hurt. I was really hurt. And uh, a couple of nights later, I went to watch him wrestle. And youth, ignorance, and alcohol took control. And my brain said, you know, if you want that guy to love you and like you, then you need to get in the ring and beat up one of them wrestlers. Well, it was a great idea. I just forgot to factor in the point that that guy might not want me beating him up. Yeah. And uh, I chose a guy and went out there, and the guy knew that I was who I was, so he didn't kill me because he could have. He took his time and twisted me and really hurt me, man, just twisting me up and, and pulling muscles and tearing muscles. And after about 12, 14 minutes, after I defecated in my shorts and everything else, um, I crawled to the locker room crying. I mean, I was hurt. And uh, my father stood there when I came through the door and looked down at me and said, I'm ashamed of you. You're gutless and you'll never mount anything. Oh, man. And that night, I remember vividly praying and asking the devil to help me. I threw everything out the window. All my dreams went out the window. I was going to be better than he was at his chosen profession. And then I'd Not go back yours. to school. Right, yeah. right, because I hated wrestling. I hated it because I blamed wrestling for keeping him away from home. How did you eventually come to terms with all this? It took a long time, brother. That didn't happen until I was nearly 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, being sexually molested by a stepmother and um, physically abused is real hard to get over, and I still work with it. But uh, the real hard thing was admitting that I loved this man, Hmm. even though he was a bad man. But I learned that I could love him without liking him. Hmm. And uh, that's the way it had to be, you know, that. And he was never to pick up any of my children and hold them. Yeah. You know, that wasn't going to happen. But, uh, no, it was very, very tough, and it took me years. Uh, I suffered miserably for years, and, of course, I medicated myself trying to get away from the horror because there were other wrestlers that knew him Mm -hmm. and knew what he was, and I would hear the whispers and stuff in the locker room, you know, and uh, 
if I was around a woman or a girl, they'd, you know, pop off, you know, nasty, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, you better watch him. <laughs> you know what his family's like? Yeah. Man, you know, seriously. And uh, it was real hard, man. I encourage anybody out there that's uh, been through um, these type of problems, you've got to get help. Even if you think you're fine with it, you're not. Hmm. You've got to talk about this at length many times. I've noticed that in the last few years, the more I talk about it, the easier it is for me to stomach and deal with. I don't know that I'll ever be able to have a long-term relationship with a woman mm-hmm. because of the sexual abuse that I went through. Um, and I guess I have to i have to be okay with it because um, I've been to a lot of counseling, man, but I, there's a point in a relationship for me that I have to mess it up. Yeah. Because when you get close, that's when the door opens for somebody to hurt you. Mm. I'm not complaining anymore because now what I do is I go out and I try to help other people that are suffering with it and I can get what I need from that. So uh, getting into wrestling, uh, substance, self-medication continues, all to mask the childhood and and what you've now found yourself in the profession. How did this come to a head? How did you finally get a handle well, on it? Well, it got to the point that I was wanting to die. Yeah. You know, I was begging for death. I would get angry when I hear that, heard that another wrestler died. I'm like, hey, God, what's your problem? Why not me, man? Because mm. I wanted out of it. I wasn't enjoying the drugs anymore. I, I quit enjoying drugs when in my mid-40s. Mm-hmm. It was the point now addiction had the death grip on me. Yeah. And... Um, I tried many times to quit, went to several rehabs, a few jails, tried to quit. Uh, It came to a head when I got a phone call from a buddy of mine that I'd helped wrestling, in wrestling, Diamond Dallas Page, Um, and he wanted to know how I was doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, man. He's like, dude, you're lying to me, man. Mm -hmm. He says, what do you weigh? I'm like, well, 315. He's like, what? You know, you don't do that, man. What's going on? And... Bottom line, I didn't care. Yeah. I just didn't care about anything. So uh, he told me, he said, look, why don't you move to Atlanta and move in with me? I want to help you. He said, I got this new uh, yoga thing that I'm doing, and uh, it's called DDP Yoga, and you folks need to check that out. It's an awesome, awesome program. Anybody can do it. He said, why don't you move out here and move in with me, and uh, we'll see if we can help you out and get you healthy or at least healthier. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, man. And then he said the magic words. He said, I'll tell you what, if you come out here and do it, I'll pay all your bills while you're doing it. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> I got an ex-wife that needs to be paid. She likes throwing my butt in jail. <laughs> so you're saying you'll take care of all my bills so I don't have to go out on the road and take a chance of getting messed up, drunk, whatever. You want to keep me basically locked down until I can get a grip of it. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, <laughs> what time do you want me there? You yeah. know, and uh, I went out there. And, Is that uh, the first time anyone had ever offered to help you? No, WWE does. Uh, they help people by putting them in a rehab. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with rehabs and not having money. <laughs> when you go into a rehab, you're there for three, four months. And then they let you go. Yeah. Now the real world is going to kick you right in the face. 
Because number one, you've got an ex-wife that wants her damn money, that money right now, mm-hmm. or you're going to jail. Uh, your rent's behind. What are you going to do about that? Uh, your vehicle is being towed off. What are you going to do about that? I haven't worked in four months. I haven't booked myself in four months. I have no money left. I give it away gladly to the drug dealers and like an idiot. Um, so now you're being bombarded by all these people, money, 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 money. What do you do? <laughs> you want the pain to go away, don't you? Hmm. And you turn right around and do the same stupid stuff. You know, and that's just the way it is. I don't think anybody should go into rehab unless they can be financially secure coming out. Mm -hmm. Because when you come out of a rehab, you're like a babe in in soft clothes, man. Any little thing can set you going in the wrong direction. So one of the things I do with this comedy show that I do is I talk about addiction. I talk about alcoholism and I tell people, look, if, if you're struggling and you want help, give me the nod. I'll see you after the show. We'll find a quiet place to talk. We'll sit down and see if we can get you pointed in the right direction. The first thing you have to do is get away from the people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Second thing you have to do is surround yourself with good people. Yeah. You know, and uh, the support system is so very, very important, you know. How important is it for you to get up on stage and tell this story? Very, very important. Keeps what does me, that do for keeps you? Me, keeps me well. Keeps me well, man. Do you have any idea what it feels like to get a letter from an eight, nine-year-old kid that's thanking you for helping their daddy because now daddy can come back and live at home? Mm. Bro, that's as high as I need to be. Hmm. That's where I get my eyes now, helping people. Um a gentleman that, that I go on comedy tours with named Alex Anzel. He's my first big project. When I say big project, it's because he weighed 550 pounds. Mm. This guy is very talented, but he's, he's chasing death, you know, and uh, getting close. I uh, talked to him for a little bit. I'd seen his uh, comedy. I loved it. And I said, look, man, why don't you come out to Vegas and let me see if I can get you started on some DDP yoga or some juicing or something, you know, head you in the right direction. So, he, okay, I'll, I guess I'll come out. And he didn't believe that I'd actually help him. He's like, why would Jake the Snake help me? Well, that's just part of the disease. It tells you you're not worthy of help. You're not good. You're bad. So he came out. Long story short, he's down to 380 mm. in less than a year. Wow. wow. In less than a year. There's a lot of great people in this world, man, that are handcuffed to addiction and alcoholism that are good people. They are good people, but they've got that disease, man. And it is a disease. I don't care who you are, brother. It's a disease. How, Get t- over how it. tough is it for you to fight that every day? How tough is it for you not to go to oh. the other side again? <clears throat> or is no, it an issue? No now? problem. No problem. It's not a problem now. No, not at yeah. all. When did it stop becoming a problem? About two and a half years. Like I'm asking for a magic bullet. What's the secret? What was the light that went off? What was the epiphany? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that after two and a half years, after I really had a hard time the first year, um, I wound up screwing up five times in uh, the first two and a half years, and that was with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, Then once with cocaine. 
in two and a half years. Now, that's pretty good considering yeah. I was doing an eight ball a day for 15 years. Yeah. You know, and drinking every day because you got to come down with something. So for me to do that was amazing. But to lose that urge to go into the bar, lose that thirst for alcohol or drugs is so nice. So very, very nice. What advice can you give to people who are searching for that? Do not give up. Do not give up. Keep searching for help, man. Just because this one doesn't work doesn't mean the next one won't work. Mm. You've got to keep searching. That's the bottom line. And the other thing is, if this will help you, man, I didn't think I'd ever get my children back under me, you know, because I'd screwed up so bad, so bad, you know. They do come back. They do come back, man. Man, what an incredible story. I can just imagine what it's going to be like tonight uh, at the Casbah, 8 o'clock. Jake the Snake Roberts, the Unspoken World Tour, hits uh, the Casbah tonight. And, of course, uh, former WWE wrestler. And I don't even want to say comedian after that. No, There's no, no comedian no. involved. This is life stories, life lessons, yeah. man. Good time. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and sharing uh, your story, I man. Really appreciate. Y- it. You know what? I'm sure there's people listening right now that are thanking you for what yeah. you're saying. Well, you know, there's a movie out there called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. They can watch it on uh, Netflix and mm-hmm. stuff. And um, here's here's the secret, guys. The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts is the second best, and it was close. Second best resurrection of all time. That's all I can give you. Jake the Snake Roberts, former WWE wrestler, uh, tonight at the Casbah, hearing more of what you have heard today. Jake, best of luck to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for Appreciate sharing the story. It.